So I've been sharing Easter stories over the past few weeks here at Kansas Christian Church. Stories of new life through Jesus. Stories of, of life and faith within the families, within the members of our church, the members of our community. When it comes to Easter, there is one story from our family that is always just central to, to our Easter life, our Easter story. And it's a story about my oldest daughter, Megan. I'm sitting there holding my granddaughter, and Hunter keeps looking at my granddaughter. I think he's a little too interested right now. We're not ready for that yet. So. <laughs> Megan was about three years old when I decided it was time to involve her in the whole Easter process. You know, we were gonna we were gonna do Easter up big that year. And so one evening we sat down in the kitchen and we boiled a dozen eggs. And we carefully got out the cups and we carefully colored the eggs and dipping each one of them in. And three-year-old Megan was calling out the colors. That's yellow, that's pink, that's purple. And we were picking out the colors. She loved the whole process. She was just absolutely enthralled as the eggs changed colors. And then we put them all in a basket and, and sat them there. And oh, she just, she watched that Easter basket like a hawk. Well, probably not like a hawk, right? Like a chicken, I guess, maybe. She was keeping an eye on the Easter basket. It's got to happen sooner or later, doesn't it? Is that my microphone? Okay. So she's watching the Easter basket oh so carefully. She would have, she would have insisted that I let her take those to bed with her at night. If, if, you know, she, she was just really enthralled with those, those eggs. Easter came and, you know, the Easter bunny came and, and we did all the usual Easter stuff. We went off to church. We came back home for lunch. And that afternoon I was doing dishes. And I remember I was standing at the sink doing the dishes. The Easter basket was right here. And Megan was right over here. And as I'm doing dishes, I turn to put some dishes away. And my elbow hits the Easter basket. And I heard it before I saw it. I heard... And I looked down and every egg is broken. And there's little Megan, three years old, right over here. Those eggs that she had loved, that she had carefully watched over, those eggs that were so precious to her, every one of them broken, and I can't do a thing about it. I can't lie to her and say that a rogue Easter bunny snuck into the house and broke all of her eggs. I can't get out the tape and the glue and try to fix them all. All I have to do is stand there and look at my mistake. I have ruined everything. And I turn and I see her eyes as big as saucers. Her mouth is open. She sees what I have done. And she looked up at me and she said, it's okay, Daddy. It's okay. And I thought, where did she learn that? Where did she learn that kind of grace? Because she didn't learn it from me. And probably not her mom. She didn't learn it from me. The rogue Easter bunny did that. And all I could think was she learned it from the Easter story. She learned it from the forgiveness that we are offered. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul presents... Well, he recounts for us why we are all here today. He recounts the difference that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has made in our lives. And, and in 1 Corinthians 15, if you use those blue Bibles in front of you, it's page 961. If you happen to have the Bible app on your phone or whatever device you've got, you can 
find our notes for the message there through the Bible app. But in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 3, Paul writes, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received. And then he goes on and tells us about the resurrection of Jesus. It is of first importance. It is primary information. The resurrection is the place where we all begin. There are things in this story that we learn nowhere else. The Easter story changes us. It shapes us in ways that nothing else does. 1 Corinthians 15, again, page 961, beginning in verse 3. Paul writes, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, that is, Peter, and then to, and then to the twelve, and then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James and then to all the apostles, and last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am, the, I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is in me. Whether then it was I or they... So we preached, and so you believed. Paul tells us the Easter story is of first importance because the resurrection of Jesus is of first importance to our faith. It's of first importance to our faith. Faith is one of those words we tend to make very personal these days. We talk about my faith. We talk about your faith. We might, I have faith in this. You may have faith in something else. But there's another sense to the word faith that we cannot miss. Faith is something that we all share. It is the heart of our allegiance to Jesus. And therefore, it is the heart of our allegiance to each other. We used to, I used to hear the old timers, the old time preachers praying prayers, and they would always pray about our like precious faith. Remember that phrase? They would pray about our like precious faith. It is precious. It is valuable. It is like. It is something that we all share. Our faith is what makes us one body, makes us one church. It unites us, and it begins with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As Paul writes there in verse 11, we preach and so you believe. That's where we begin with faith. And today, there, there's so many people asking the question, does it even matter? Does it even matter what we believe? Does, does it matter that you believe something that's completely different than me? And does it even matter that we believe in anything? Every now and then, you have to fill out those forms, you know, they ask all kinds of questions. They want to know your birth date. They want to know you know, your, your gender. They want to know you know, your age. You know, they want to know your income level. They want to know your education. And very often those forms will ask the question of faith. What faith are you? More than ever today, more than ever, the, the, the most popular answer to that question, what faith are you, the most popular answer is none. N-O-N-E. None. Not, well, I was raised Christian. My grandparents were Baptists. We occasionally went to the Methodist church. No, people are just saying none. No faith at all. No faith to which they adhere. No church, no creed. But also no community of faith. No connection to others. No shared convictions of faith. 
Paul's writing to the Corinthians about the divisions in their church, and this church was divided over lots of stuff. These people argued over everything. They took up sides. We're right, you're wrong. In chapter 15, they're arguing about whether or not the dead are raised, whether or not the, the, the dead continue on living, or, or, or whether they're just gone. And Paul says, do you not see where these divisions lead you? Do you see what they keep you from having? Verses 12-14, through 14, he says, now if Christ is proclaimed as, have, as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith, your faith is in vain. We've spent the last four weeks telling, telling Easter stories from our church, from our community. Stories of people who found life in the midst of death. People whose faith was deepened through the struggles that they went through. Stories like that of Joe Harmon. Joe Harmon, who facing cancer said, I want Jesus to be glorified in this. And Jesus was glorified. As a result, all of us who knew Joe, we, our faith was strengthened. It's struggles like that that bring us together. It's struggles like that that bring together a community of faith. We come together to help each other out, to support families that are going through struggles. We find our strength together. And it all begins with that lesson which is of first importance. The thing that we celebrate today. The resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection is of first importance to our faith. That which we share. Paul goes on and he shows us that the resurrection is of first importance to our hope also. First importance to our faith. First importance to our hope. Faith is what binds us together and makes us one. It's hope that keeps us going. That keeps us moving ahead. We looked at 1 Peter chapter 1 last week, verse 3, where Peter writes of God, He has caused us to be born again through a living hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A living hope. A hope that continues to hold us. That continues to move us forward. A hope that promises something better is, com is coming. Something that's found in our faith in Jesus. A living hope that receives its life through the resurrection. And you can't miss here in 1 Corinthians 15, after Paul writes of faith, he just seamlessly <clears throat> seamlessly moves on to that issue of hope. He details just how hopeless we are without the resurrection. Verse 17 of chapter 15, he writes, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ... They've perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. You hear that? If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Why? Because we've lived our lives based on a lie. We've held out hope in something that's never going to happen. The things that we suffer as temporary, saying that these are just temporary problems. What we look forward to is eternal, but if Jesus is not raised from the dead, then can we be sure anyone will be raised from the dead? And again, those Easter stories that we shared, they're not just about friends who lived with hope, they're about our friends who have died with hope, died with a hope. They held out hope that, 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 that promise that there is something better coming. People like Paul Honnold, People like Paul Honnold who faced death with a trust in his Savior. Paul who stood with us 
as we read the book of Revelation aloud together one night, Paul who stood there reading the words from Revelation 22, verses 4 and 5, they will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord their God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. The resurrection of Jesus Christ fills us with hope. A hope that sees us beyond this world. Paul expresses that a little later in chapter 15, beginning in verse 50. He writes, I tell you this, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we will all be changed. You guys know that with Ruby, right? She doesn't always sleep, but she always gets changed, right? We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable, the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we consider those who have passed on, those who have gone before us. And our our hope tells us that they did not perish, that life did not end just because they're not with us now. Our hope tells us that they won the victory because Jesus' Resurrection is the victory. The resurrection is of first importance to our faith. The resurrection is of first importance to our hope. And the resurrection is of first importance to our love. It's our faith that holds us together. It's our hope that keeps us going. And it's our love that reminds us that there is so much more that Jesus has to offer than just what He has offered to us. It is our love that keeps us reaching out, that keeps us seeking those who are on the outside. Our love keeps us seeking those who do not have a community of faith and we offer them a place here at this table. It is, it is our love that reaches out to those who are hopeless and offers them a living hope to hold on to. And that love is there because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul wraps it up in he wraps up chapter 15 with this encouragement in verse 58. Therefore my beloved brothers be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that your knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. He writes of the work that we do in the Lord, our labor in the Lord that it is not in vain. What labor is he talking about? Well, you know in the in the very next verse, chapter 16 verse 1, he writes of a collection that's being taken up to support the poor who are in Jerusalem. Just as we take up collections and support those who are in need. Just as we've been collecting money for an organization called IDES, International Disaster Emergency Services, which has people on location in and around Ukraine. People who are there supporting those who are in need. Supporting the refugees there. Just as we meet the needs of our friends and our neighbors here locally through what we give in these, in these orange buckets you see, our, our generous buckets, that goes to support the people in our community who have different needs. And he wraps up the letter in chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. He says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, 
And then he says, act like men. It's a phrase that simply means be courageous. Be strong. And then verse 14, let all that you do be done in love. All that you do be done in love. Fueled by, fueled by what the love of Jesus has done for you through the resurrection. The resurrection reminds us that our love never dies. We can't speak of love from the Bible without thinking of John 3.16, can we? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It was His love that took Him to the cross. It was His love that held Him there. And because He lives, His love lives in us. His love keeps us moving, keeps us reaching out. We keep extending His love to others, those who are hurting, those who are lost, those who are in need of a faith to be a part of, those who need a living hope. Faith, hope, and love. Maybe you've heard that before somewhere else. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 13, just a couple chapters back. Paul concludes 1 Corinthians 13 in verse 13 with the words, now these three remain, these three continue. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Why is love the greatest? Because a day comes when faith becomes sight. A day comes when our hopes are fulfilled. Faith and hope will have done their job, but we will continue to love for eternity. This is what remains. And so from that which is of first importance to that which remains, the resurrection reminds us that our love never dies. We've been praying for the people of Ukraine for the last 50-some days. We have been praying and praying for those in Ukraine. And the news today was just more awful news coming out of Ukraine. We've been praying for them in the midst of attacks from Russia. There are those of us who are a little older who remember the days of the Soviet Union. In fact, some of you are old enough, a little older than me, and you might remember 61 years ago today was the Bay of Pigs invasion if we're talking about the Cold War and communism and that struggle from that generation. But there are those of us who remember the Soviet Union, the USSR. And I've been thinking about a story that came out of the, the last days of the Soviet Union. It was the May Day celebration of 1990. And as some of you remember seeing the images of the parades going through Red Square, and that day was one of those parades where they marched the military through the streets. Going through Red Square, there was column after column of soldiers marching in unison, declaring the strength of the Soviet Empire, declaring the, the strength of their army. And then the tanks, of course, rolling through the streets, those huge tanks going through, going through and showing the power of their military. The whole time, down below, the common folk are behind, behind barricades and there are the leaders of the Soviet Union sitting up on the podium, high and away from everybody else. There were the leaders, the heads of state, Mikhail Sergeyevich Gorbachev and the others there sitting up above with the rest of the people down below. Banners of Marx and Lenin and other great leaders of communism flying. But it was, that, it was that May Day celebration in 1990 when something happened. Those last few days of the Soviet Union, those last few days of that reign, as, as things were coming apart, as 
which would eventually give birth to nations like Ukraine in the, in the, the aftermath of that coming apart. But there, as, as Gorbachev and others sat upon the platform, the people were down below, behind barricades, suddenly eight men rushed the front. They ran together, rushing the front, diving between the, uh, the police and the military. The police couldn't stop them. The army tried to run them over. Out of the eight, six survived, and they ran to the front, right there in front of Gorbachev, and they raised high an eight-foot-tall crucifix. And as the entire crowd looked on, they raised that crucifix and one man yelled out, Mikhail Sergeyevich, Christ is risen! And the entire crowd responded, He is risen indeed. The Russian army could not stop them. The Roman Empire could not put a seal on the tomb strong enough to stop the resurrection. The Russian army could not, could not stop the good news. Christ is risen indeed. And may the power that gave Him victory over the grave give you victory in your life, in your faith that holds us all together, in your hope that keeps you moving forward and in the love that tells you that everyone you encounter is a person in need of the love of Christ, a love that touches your neighbor. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing in just a moment. And we'll take, we'll take communion together. Would you pray with me? Father, we come today to gather to sing the songs of our faith. Songs that, for the most part, we know by heart. Songs that we have sung again and again because, Lord, we love the story. And we love the good news of the resurrection. We thank You for the faith that binds us together. We thank You for the hope that keeps us going in the face of struggles, in the face of our pain, in the face of our losses. We hold to that hope that continues to live. And we thank You for the love the love that we are honored to show one another, the love that calls us to continue to reach out to the lost, to those who are hopeless, to those who are faithless, and the love that we first knew there on the cross when you, where You sent Your Son. We ask Your blessing today as we take together the bread that reminds us that this is not cheap. This costs the breaking of a body. The cup that reminds us that blood was spilled because we could not pay for this ourselves. And we ask Your blessing as we not only take together, but as we carry, as we carry the message together from here that Christ lives and that others can live because of that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.